Angelina Jolie is going to be in a Marvel movie, but I think that's like the first movie she's been in in like five years. Yeah, she uh, well, she's got like eleven kids, so no. Yeah, something like that. Well, Brad just got... Why do I know so much about celebrity? (laughs) Um, It is one of your most intriguing and endearing qualities. It's weird, isn't it? It doesn't quite fit. It doesn't quite fit. You're the jazz-playing saxophonist. You know, you're the animal lover. uh, You're the, you know, intellectual with an interest in the big questions. Where did we come from? Where are we going? And I know exactly what Angelina Jolie's been up to. Exactly. On my coffee table, you'll find a new scientist, uh-huh. a, uh, um, you know, another Psychology science today. magazine. <laughs> okay, not the best. Psychology today. <laughs> not the best <laughs> And example. a new idea. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you get the big three. Yeah. They're, not to be confused with the other science mag, New Ideas. Yeah. Which is a very different magazine. Yeah. Well... You're an enigma. So <laughs> I am. And also, did you just call me an intellectual? Because that was the first. That really made my, uh, you know what, uh, move a little bit. Well, I had to I had to make it up for you after going a little bit hard out on the whole eating food thing. So I just, I wound it down a bit. I appreciated it. Yeah. Appreciated it. Um, so a lot to get through. A lot to get through. Point. And I don't want to be two hours this week. I've got, yeah, I've got needs, you know. <laughs> What needs do you have? Food needs. What needs could you possibly have? Oh, I have food, food right. needs. Right. Um, so what was the reception on the, on the longest pod ever from last one? I don't know what the reception was. I didn't hear much from I, people. I think everyone looked at it and was just like, nah. <laughs> Two hours? Nah. I listened to half of it. And <laughs> to be there, you were... F- it was good. You were, to be fair, you were there at the time of recording, so... But I almost never remember what I say. Yeah, yeah. I I thought it was a good. So, I th- I think so too. I always, whenever I listen back to them, uh, I always like hear because I'm focusing on what I'm saying, obviously. But I miss a lot of what you say. Like you say things that I just never have heard. <laughs> yeah, even though you've of, told me them. Part of that might have been like as well the Skype thing. I, you know, in the edit, you don't really hear it. But for mm. us recording live, there is always a little bit of like the lag thing where Skype will mute the person it thinks isn't speaking. And, you know, some of that stuff is just easy to hear when you're on the pod. Yeah. I might just open up this window because I don't like how there's no light, but I'm exposing myself to the street. Mm. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, no fair I'll enough. think of them as like, we're like, you know, a live studio on, audience. Um, the NBC News, yeah. Yeah, or um, um, Channel 7 on Martin Place in Sydney. Yeah. Well, that's where they had that. Uh, whenever, I th- whenever, you, whenever I hear Martin Place, which comes up mm. a lot because I think it's like a business district it's a, it's a in hub. Sydney, I can't help think Lint Cafe and Terrorism. Hostage, yeah. It's like when, whenever I go through a tunnel, I always think about Princess Diana. <laughs> See, that's unusual. Is it? It was It was 20... Five years ago. Never forget. <laughs> okay. Right. But every time so, you go into an office block, you don't think about 9-11, do you? So you've chosen... I think about, ni- I think about 9-11 more than most people. That's definitely <laughs> that's true. Pr- that's probably true. I think about 9-11 probably every second day. 
it pops into my head. Not even joking. <laughs> what? Not even really? Joking. Wow. Yeah, dude. I'm fascinated by it. Like, it's one of the craziest things that have ever happened in our lifetime. And and it was like the first huge mass. I know it just happened in New York, but it was like involved the world or it felt like it because America's the world. Yeah. And it was just like recorded from like all different angles and the footage was good. It wasn't like Pearl Harbor where you like, you have to see Ben, ben Affleck sh- do a shitty reenactment of what happened. Yeah. It's like, it happened. Yeah. Yeah, that's And that fair. was in, not in the age of phones either. No. Something just deeply unsettling about that. Yeah. But... So we we so we've had a couple of birthdays. That's true. So that's true. Happy I want birthday. to talk about your birthday. You want to get into that? Okay. Oh, I don't know that I have much to talk about on my birthday. Oh, uh, did no one did no one remember? Oh. <laughs> oh. Well, sorry. I, I guess this is all leading up to your present for me. So, um, look, let's just bring it out now. You give me the present, and um, I'll uh, I'll you know we'll get a live reaction. Do you want your present now? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Right now, probably. Okay, he's taking his. You could, you could, you need to commit now that we're on video camera. Well, are you, are you, are you lowering the blind again? <laughs> oh my god, Jesus Christ! Yeah, Read it and weep, dude. Well, I did weep. Merry happy birthday. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know whether to say thanks or call the police. Don't call the police. I mean, you would. You've done would. it on your neighbours. Yeah. Snitch. For less, yeah. So, no one no one remembered your birthday. No, that's not true. People remember my birthday. We went out for a dinner. It was nice. It was chill. Um, it just, like, it's 32. I mean, that's not, it's not like a big special number, is it? I agree. Like, I felt more ambivalent about this birthday than I have ever. And I expect that that trend will continue. Yeah. You know? Usually I usually it's like something you're like thinking about and like on the day of your birthday, even though like you, you're doing other things, like it's this weird thing that you're like, it's my birthday. And yeah. like, you just know it. Like you go to the shops and you know, you're thinking, even if it's not, you're not preoccupied by it. You're like, it's got this special glow yeah. about it. But yeah. that can also lead to a lot of disappointment because if you're just doing regular things, then then you know, and no one's making a big fuss because that's why you—that's why you care in the first place. Because when when you're a kid, everyone like made a big deal about it, but now you're an adult, and everyone's like, well, get over it. Yeah, you, you kind should. of when you're walking around that day and you're feeling that little glove, like it's my day, it's my day. You kind of want mm. to be projecting it a little bit so that someone says, "Oh, you look good," or "What's how's your day been?" or any sort of opening where you can be like, "Yeah." How? Oh, it's my birthday. Uh, yeah. I would never no do deal. that, though. No big deal. Would you do that? Uh, depends who it is. If it's a friend, I would I would bring it up. If it was like the checkout would... chick, I would not be like, it's my birthday. <laughs> Unless you could do it. Maybe you could do it at like a bar and like you could get a free drink, maybe. Yeah. But I'm like... Or at a bakery s- and get I'm... a free meringue. I mean, if that's your equivalent, sure. But I, I'm like, I'm like, got this scar on my psyche from when I was like maybe seven. In that, is that year one or two or something? Uh, and I was, um, two? I went to primary school at St. Rafael's and it was actually on Glen Osmond Road. You've probably driven past it a, a number of times. 
But I remember going in there and it was my birthday and the school, they had like this courtyard and then the school was kind of like in the in a building in a square formation around the courtyard. So you could go into the courtyard and see kids up, you know, the, it'd be like year nine kids and then year 11 and 12 kids. I might be remembering this wrong because it was just a primary school. So anyway, there were older <laughs> kids on, on, on higher levels. Okay. And I went into the courtyard when I was like seven and some kid that was like usually picked on me because I was there early and he was also there early, but he was bigger than me and he made fun of me all the time. He said, <laughs> I went into the courtyard and he said some snarky comment and I said, Hey, it's my birthday. And I like yelled it out and like proclaimed it. And he went, shut up. <laughs> and it, I remember just feeling so embarrassed. Oh. And now I, I, I carry that with me. I Clearly, genuinely carry that with like me. That's like 25 years ago. I, I have a few of those things that like, they're kind of like scars in high school. I think a lot of what I do is based on what happened to me in high school or what. That's true for a lot of people though, to right? Me. Yeah, I think I think it's a big deal, uh, which is weird, because you you change completely. You know, most of the people that I know from high school have changed so much. Like, if I haven't seen them since, they have they're almost unrecognizable if they pop up on Facebook or something. Yeah. Anyway, um, so how was how was your birthday? But my yeah, my birthday was good. I got some cool shit. Oh yeah, nice. Um. I got some very cool shit. So um, Emma got me this. I love cold brew coffee. Yep. And you know it costs you know four to four fifty mm-hmm. every day, and you know buying four coffees a week it adds up. It does. Know? Yeah, yeah. So she got me a um, a Japanesey kind of cold uh, drip filter thing, coffee that it makes like two liters of cold drip coffee. Oh, and wow. so I just fill it up and leave it in overnight. And by the next morning, I've got, you know, two liters of cold brew coffee. So that was cool. That's awesome. That's a nice um, gift. Very nice gift. Um, and I also got some astronomy binoculars from my friends. Oh, nice. It was so nice. I was not expecting any gift at all. Like uh, we got, I got taken out for lunch by a few of my few friends including um emma and then when i went back to um, our friend's apartment they had this uh astronomy binoculars there and it was oh so what makes them astronomy binoculars are they specifically bigger or or like what different lenses what what do they do well first of all they're huge um they're like they're like they kind of look like i feel like james bond when i wear them because they're like kind of short they're small in terms of cylindrical diameter, whatever, uh, they start off small and then get bigger. They okay. kind of look like cool spy ones and they're quite long as well. But mm. I think they just magnify more than regular binoculars. Yeah, sure. But uh, you're meant to be able to see like the outline of the rings of Saturn with them. Oh, wow. Um, so I very much enjoyed looking at the moon the other day when it was the blood moon. Yeah, um, that's dope. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, that was the main gist of what i got Mm. well let's um let's pick up that stargazing thing in a minute but uh in the meantime uh, welcome to deep four everybody this is a podcast we talk about events that happened in the world through a political and philosophical lens 
with a light touch of uh, comedy and uh, just a hint of ego in a way that hopefully is enjoyable um, for the listener. Uh, Sitting through the internet with me, Michael, it's been your birthday. Here's a space for you to proclaim something. It's my birthday! Shut up! (laughs) Triggered. Triggered. And I'm Nick. Seriously, thank you. Hi. Hi, Nick. Hi. So speaking of stargazing, uh, I had a stargazing adventure this week as well. Um, Last weekend, uh, KC and I head down to uh, Tekapur, which we had done on uh, the trip that we took at the end of last year um, for what was uh, meant to be sort of the the last um, showpiece event of that trip on New Year's Eve, which was a stargazing experience followed by a hot pool soak. Um, Now, Tekapur is a dark sky reserve, so there is uh, um, legal requirements on businesses and houses there to really minimize light pollution with the explicit goal of maintaining the sky and the visibility of the sky. And there are um, uh, astronomers based there and um, uh, what do you call what do you call the big telescopey? What do you call a telescope house? Observatory. Observatory. Thank you. <laughs> observatory. Telescope house is cool, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, observatory's there. Um, so it's like a real um, treasured space. Unfortunately, when we went in December last year, we had clouds, just complete cloud cover. Um, so no chance of seeing stars. So we um, rebooked it and they let you pick a different day. And so this was our second attempt. And thankfully, the weather was perfect absolutely oh. like cloudless fucking cold it, like mm. it, almost alpine they you know, are on freezing. those cloudless nights aren't yeah they? like freezing um uh but just pristine sky um for both of the nights that we stayed there so we, we drove up last friday um and the stargazing thing was saturday and on both nights it was just amazing uh, like truly truly a special sight to sort of be in such a remote region with no light pollution staring up and just seeing a cascade of the universe around you it was Uh, amazing yeah your photos made me insanely jealous like i can't believe that you a were able to take a photo of that and it it to hold up because i could see the milky way yeah i took a photo of the milky way on my phone like that's how good a the phone is the iphone what's the phone just my, my the latest iphone but i didn't have like wow. a lens i didn't have a tripod like i wasn't doing anything fancy i just put it on the um like put it on a ledge and just pointed it up and just left it there with a long exposure and boom fucking milky way ridiculous um, if you can take it just makes you think if you can take a photo of that good of the milky way imagine how good your selfies could be <laughs> i could really try a lot harder Maybe a long exposure on my face would really bring out some of the dark patches. I'm sure you've had a few long exposures on your face. I don't even <laughs> it sounded it sounded like it worked. Like for a second there was I was I was really like, oh, that's a good one. But and when you think I, about it, then when it I does, thought about it, it didn't make sense. But for it's a while, kind of my mo. Yeah. <laughs> you know? it sounds like it works, but it, when you think about it for more than a second, it, it doesn't. doesn't. <laughs> um, the uh, so I'd actually, I hadn't been able to sleep on the Friday night and I 
tossed and turned, tossed and turned. And then I just was like, oh, fuck you it. You were too excited about the Milky Way? Yeah. Just, I don't, you know, some, some nights it just, I think I was actually too hot because KC yeah. is like a fucking nuclear reactor at the best of times. Yeah, and then, he's super hot in bed. Well, that's true as well. Um, but the like room was just toasting and it was one of those situations. Like I prefer just a sheet and like a cotton blanket, not a doona. And they only had the doona. So I was just sweltering. And, and so, yeah, I just, I got to like 4am and I was like, oh fuck, I'm just going to go outside A to cool off for a bit. But B, because I'm awake, it's nighttime. I'm in a dark sky reserve. Let's just see what's out there. Probably the darkest time of the night as well. Absolutely. And the absolute best call I made because wow. at that point, the moon had set. So on the oh. Saturday night on this on the stargazing experience, it was good, but it was at like 8.45 at night. And the whole thing, it was basically, it was close to a full moon. We only just had the full moon lunar eclipse thing this Wednesday, yeah. right? So it was quite mm. bright and it just, it just dimmed the rest of the, the galaxy around it. And the the benefit of doing the stargazing at that time was they were able to point the telescopes directly at it and we could see the moon you know in quite high detail which was cool but it didn't quite make up for me for the fact that it was sort of blurring out what else you could see around it right so getting up on the friday night at 4am and going outside when there was no moon and just we were sort of in a somewhat remote area of the the town anyway and i just walked to the lake shore and just stared up at the sky and it was like nearly spiritual you know it was it was one of those real like um who am i kind of speck in the universe moments where the thousands of stars and the the strip of the milky way in its pristine glory all around you in every direction like this dome above you was just like transcendent it was it was really one of those special moments and i just intended to go out for like a five minute walk and i ended up standing out there for like 40 minutes just staring at the sky like taking photos and and just basking in it it was it was amazing it's one of those things that is a real shame that we don't actually get to experience that much and if you think about it for millions of years prior humans were able to see those things. And it's like one of those weird quirks about being in a modern society with electricity and whatever that Mm. we don't actually get to. And we're going to see that less. And with Elon, let's not go into that, but with Elon putting up his Starlinks and that people are, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago, but the satellites up there in the future, people are only going to see satellites because there's going to be too many in the sky and they're going to kill it, kill the, uh, kill the stars. Well, and the other thing, of course, is that you understand why, in retrospect, there is such historical weight given to the stars, both in terms of, like, cultural impact, in terms of your ascribing omens to the way the sky was reacting, the way you ascribe them Mm. deities and shapes and constellations and telling stories about them and telling stories about your land through what you see in the sky. That one of our... Uh, people at the stargazing thing spend quite a lot of time talking about constellations and how we call it the Southern Cross, but in different parts of the world, they have different stories about it. And this one, it's a turtle. And in this one here, it's connected to this other constellation. And it's, uh, you know, there was a a bolus thrown at a a, a rhea, like a big ostrich bird. And they see that the Southern Cross is like a three-pronged 
bird claw and all this kind of stuff. And you and you realize that that prominence in early folklore is because everyone saw it every night, right? Yeah, I love that. And it's like they also they're not. What else are they doing at night? They're what else is there to do? You look up at the sky, yeah, and you're. Like, it makes total sense that people are reading into back then. They're reading into all these things. Like, if you had no knowledge of modern science or anything like that, what the fuck else are you meant to think? Like, you meant to, you just see these specks in the sky and you're just like, well, they've got to be the people, that the, the gods that put us here. That, that w- that's kind of logical <laughs> back then. But here's the crazy thing. The, the, the most surprising thing that the um, astronomer said was that one of the constellations and i forget which country it was that that had this association but they saw i think it was the southern cross as a turtle and when the turtle appeared and it was it was probably i think in like south america or something like that and the way the position of the southern cross in the sky and the country in the year meant that it would only ever slightly peek up above the horizon and then disappear again. Like it would never fully go overhead just due to the position right. of the, the stars and, and the country. Um, but it legit coincided with turtle breeding season. So they saw it as a turtle because at that time of year, when the star, when the Southern Cross appeared in the sky, that was when turtles actually came to the beach. So they would see that wow. and they would go, guys, it's turtle season. Let's go and get some eggs, have a real feast. And all the tribes would come together and go to the beach and wait for that, um, you know, influx of, of breeding turtles and then eat it. So it, in that respect, it's like, well, of course you're going to fucking believe what the sky says, right? Yeah. Because in this one instance, by complete coincidence... That star appears at the time when the turtles did, and now we'll draw a correlation and, and see that as a turtle, and thus it's actually true, right? Like, by the way, what culture are we talking about? With I this? can't, I can't remember that. Uh, I think it was um, South America, somewhere in South right, America. Okay. But um, I yeah, might be wrong. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy that you know we're, we're so out of touch with that these days. Like, we'll just look up at the sky, and I'm like taking an interest in it you know now i've always had an interest in astronomy but never really like taken that seriously and now i've got like an an app on my phone and like kind of being a bit more conscious with it but we've lost that touch like people um, uh, for the average punter going outside and seeing if you're lucky enough to see some stars you go out to a farm somewhere see some stars they're like they're just some speckly bits in the sky but people used to be able to see those patterns those kind of fine and they're fine details you know and it's like attributing an emu's foot or a or a, or a turtle you're cr- trying to make up these patterns and you're seeing them actually over the course of a year move a, move across so you're not just seeing them as just like over a, the course of a, a night whole, you know right yeah exactly and, but you're also seeing like yeah you're they noticing changed. them yeah you know every night they kind of get a little bit yeah, and I'm sure away. every caveman didn't think this. Sure, but you know, at least some of them did. Like the ability to do that is just unbelievable, unbelievable. Well, and and like legitimately navigation, right? Like people right. use the stars for navigation. Sailors use the stars for navigation. And the three what, kings, Jesus. Yeah, but like being able to look up at the sky and see the Southern Cross and work out, okay, south is that way. Yeah. Or in the Northern Hemisphere, find the North Star and know that that is literally north. Like, 
Right. It, it, it's amazing the ingenuity that early coaches had in terms of using the tools they had, the resources they had to make their yeah. lives more predictable, more understandable. Yeah, it's it's really amazing. Mm. I was to strongly... The, to, in, to, to the cavemen. To cavemen and cavewomen. <laughs> and cavewomen. And cave them. Right? Yeah. Too far. Um, I would strongly encourage anyone who is coming they're, over they're to New Zealand all... or who lives here but hasn't got to it to go check out the Tekapur Dark Sky Reserve. It's... It's pretty special. And then you get to soak in a hot pool afterwards. Isn't it funny that there would have been cavemen that were like trans cavemen, but they just had no expression for it? Like, yeah. they, if, they were ca- if they're trans people now, they were cave trans people, right? That's true. Yeah, that's true. So, like, they were just like, what the fuck? What the fuck? But did they even have like- a sense of gender at all back then? I guess so. Yeah. Would yeah, definitely would. But yeah, like, but not not a language, <laughs> not a not a verbalization of it. No, I yeah. mean that must have been tough. Yeah, interesting. Um, um, all right, I got a message, an angry message from uh, one slave Schmeber. Okay, it's Dave Weber. That who cares? <laughs> okay. You know, no sure. is, can't be bothered. If he's writing him, um, and so in the last episode, I quoted him. Apparently, I quoted him. As saying that he thought you were a wokester. Uh-huh. Now, he never said that. Okay. <laughs> and he made a point of telling me that, you know, I needed to fix the situation because that was me. That actually, that more came from me than anything. <laughs> <laughs> Evidently. Okay. So, you were, um, you were projecting a little bit. I was projecting onto him then to, to you, oh, yeah. to him. Projecting yeah, onto him and then quoting the new him back to me as a way of verbalizing your feelings. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And I think I well, nailed it. I didn't hold it against Dave for disagreeing with me anyway. So um, I, I'm happy to have you back on board, Dave. I mean, slave. <laughs> I wouldn't say on board, but... Okay. Um, <laughs> all right, that was, that's that. Oh, nice. But the real, the main event here, Nick... Okay. Something that I've been wanting to talk about for ages, but I was too scared to bring up with you because I thought you made fun of me. I, I thought that maybe you think that this is a silly topic, uh-huh. but we're doing it. You we're agreed. Doing you it. texted me. We're talking UFOs and aliens. Yep. We've done it. We've finally become the podcast that we set out to be. We've finally become the podcast that I wanted us to be from the very start. To be fair, we have talked about UFOs and aliens before. It's not like it's been a taboo subject. It's not like I've cut it out of previous episodes. No, but I genuinely, and this is real, uh-huh. I am like, slight, just because of the dynamic of this podcast, mm-hmm. I am slightly hesitant to suggest things because okay. I, th- I think that <laughs> oh, you will no. like shut me down or you'll say, nah, that's stupid. Oh, no. I I feel yeah, like true. I need to make some changes in the way I present myself. Uh, what I, what would make it easier for you? Just when I like suggest something, if you went, if you go, even if it's a shit idea, if I say, you know, let's talk about, you know, child porn for a whole episode, even though that's a, that's a that's a terrible idea and we shouldn't do that. You, if you went like, okay, how about? I feel like if we, I feel like that might be not for us to 
you know, maybe we shouldn't talk about that. Like, if you kind of did that, like, just pat it a little bit, um, I might feel yeah, a bit I'm better. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. So, um, <laughs> but let's uh, let's do this. Let's do this UFO thing. See that? And okay, that's what I'm talking about right there. It's that. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm talking about. So dismissive. Whenever Can you please I, whenever at least give me credit for for fulfilling the joke? You teed me up there perfectly. Was that was that a joke? Yes, yes. Well, okay. Don't you think the fact that Asking I didn't you know that it was a joke? Okay, well, says sure. something. Okay, we might need to. We might need to bring in a um, uh, a counselor to help us improve our communication style. Then. Oh, that'll be a good app. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would just end up being a counseling session for us both. We're just like instead of it being about us and the podcast, we just start bringing up actually important things that we need to set up sort out personally. <laughs> I would love to do that. Do you think we have like underlying issues that we haven't really resolved? I feel like we resolve all of our issues between us, or like as humans. Bet- between the two, I of don't us. think we have underlying issues. I think we us. say we're pr- like we've said this before. I think we're pretty good at. Yeah. I mean, you, you especially, you always tell me as soon as you're slightly pissed off. Um... Wait, was that a joke? <laughs> <laughs> Even even on issues that are uh, undeserving of being mentioned, is that the implication? What are you trying to say? You having a go at me, <laughs> mate? What the fuck? Why would you say something like that? <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. We're solid. Um, all right. So you might. You, I don't have how how on top of this are you? So the Pentagon has released some footage. Don't laugh, Nick. <laughs> no. I can see you laughing. <laughs> it was just a question. How on top of this are you? And I was thinking All just right. of what? Of like, of aliens generally. It was going to, it was like a semicolon. At the yeah, end yeah. That. And that's why I, that's why I didn't say anything. I held it in. <laughs> You're not very well, did you? <laughs> well, you, st- okay. We're never going to get into this subject if you don't just fucking start talking. The Pentagon has issues, released... The Pentagon has released uh, a, seri- a number of videos um, that show unidentified flying o- objects, or as they're now known, UAPs. UAPs? You know what that stands for? No. Unknown. Unidentified aerial, aerial phenomena. Right. Why did they change? So well, I you think that's like... brand UFOs. That's a classic. I th- UFOs, I get it. UFOs are directly associated with flying saucers. I think UFOs came out of the 60s, out of the Roswell kind of uh, era. Mm. And now UAPs are like, it has more of a military bent, you know, unidentified. That's yeah. how, how military personnel, look at me, yeah. military personel. Oh, these the big words. That's how they describe these things. To, so what's, like, sorry, internally. say it again. What's UAP stand for? Unidentified aerial phenomenon or phenomena. Okay. I never know which one it is. Okay. okay. So they've released a number of these. And so they've come from Navy ships, this this footage. Uh, they've come from fighter jet pilots. And we're talking like, you know, multiple, like multiple. Yeah. Of like little objects that are, that are moving, that are basically defying physics uh, and are not moving like any other objects that... That we know that that we, we that we know that we have the technology of, or that anyone else has that technology to do that, mm. and, and kind of like moving at you know the speed of you know faster than the speed of sound to other objects uh, moving, 
you know, in zigzag kind of formations and then dropping into the ocean and then coming back out, making a splash on the rate, like making a splash. Yeah, like a physical effect. Physical effect affecting the environment, but um, seemingly not being um, affected by the laws of physics. Mm. Now, 60 Minutes in the United States ran like a whole thing on this, like a a whole program uh, last week or the week before. Obama has admitted that there are things out there that we don't know or that that they don't know what they are, but that the governments are aware of. Mm. So this is kind of coming into the mainstream conversation. And I think the feeling is amongst people that are kind of interested in this stuff. And I'll admit that Joe Rogan's kind of been like a, uh, a kind of a, uh, someone who's kind of been pushing this stuff, but <clears throat> it is a kind of it is an interesting uh, development that we've we've now got we've now got governments admitting that there are things that they don't know what they are, um, and these are coming from and these reports are coming from quite credible people. They're coming from people in the military and people that aren't like kind of crazy ufo people in you know new mexico yeah actual institutions and um yeah it, it both in terms of governments and militaries but also like press outlets like seeing that stuff talked about in new york times washington post or new york times and that sort of thing yeah i mean yeah. I, I i admit that it was one of those curiosities that came out in 2020 where everyone was kind of like i don't have time for this like it's interesting right. but there's too much going on in terms of the end of democracy and pandemic and everything that I just, it like, it came up in the news cycle where they're like, oh yeah, the Pentagon's released video of, of UFOs, UAPs, and and they don't know what it is. And yeah. everyone's like, okay, cool. I'm just going to bank that because I got other shit going on. <laughs> um, yeah. And it was sort of on my to-do list to go back and have a look at that in more depth. But I will admit that I haven't gone and and checked out the have video you, because I'd like to. You have, haven't seen any videos. No, I'd like to have a look at some of that and 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 see what we see. Because the other cool thing about what I'm assuming is fairly recent footage is like our camera techs got better, right? Our technology is better. Um, so presumably, what we're seeing is in a higher resolution than any previous generation ever captured. Well, I wouldn't get your hopes up there because it's like it's it's taken from. Uh, Navy ship and uh, army, sorry, whatever army fighter jet planes are called. Air Force. Probably just that. Air Force jets. It's taken from the radar, so it's effectively radars that oh, we're looking okay. at. Oh, okay. So it's no, there's no, there's not a craft. We're talking about objects that are kind of, you know, three foot to six foot in diameter, uh, in in length. Um, well, that that's what the radar shows up as. But they are moving in freakish ways, and hearing the hearing the pilots, you know, react to these things are uh, is is insane. And on the sixty minutes that um, was aired a couple of weeks ago, they've got military guys saying, you know, we get made fun of this stuff amongst ourselves if we can't. But this stuff happens daily, so they like they kind of make fun of each other for it. But these guys are saying this stuff this ha- happens all the time. So it's just interesting. I'm just curious to to hear, like, I mean, you haven't seen the videos, but what what your feeling of it is? Because obviously, the everyone wants to 
the mystery of it kind of leads to people going, "Is this alien? This is aliens." This... But the other, the other, you know, more probable answer is that it's probably technology from China or Russia that we don't know about. But it, even still, even if they have that technology, it is like extreme technology. So I'm just curious to hear what your like your whole vibe, what your what your sense is. Like, do you think this is all wackadoo, or do you think like there's some legitimacy legitimacy to it? Or do you have any yeah, thoughts? I I I wouldn't go so far as to say it's a wackadoo. Like, I think I think it's quite interesting to have things we don't understand, right? Um, I suppose that some of my um, some of the sort of scientific skepticism is still there in the sense that, okay, what's the simplest explanation? It's that there's someone terrestrial who's done a thing or made a, a technological leap that is of strong military import that they haven't shared with other people because that's, you know, it's like being able to crack the codes in World War Two or invent radar right. If you have a, an incredible military inv- advantage on these kind of things, then if you're a combative um, nation or someone with with strong uh, ambitions, then that's not something you're going to share with the rest of the world. So right. part of me does think, well, the most likely answer is definitely it's something here on Earth, isn't it? The... Mm-hmm the slightly more aspirational side of me wants to think, well, I mean, there's just because that's possible doesn't mean that uh, there aren't visiting probes or whatever from other places. Who knows what's out there in the universe? And we can't exclude the possibility that there's that sort of stuff happening. But as a somewhat... um, long time sci-fi reader that possibility is much scarier to me the idea that there is actually visiting spacecraft or whatever you want to call it because the implications of that are far less (laughs) optimistic (laughs) okay okay so i want to get i want to get into this okay i want to get into this so um Uh, can i just also throw in one more thing as well sure one other uh sort of uh my third option is a biological or physical like physical phenomena that we don't understand so going back 30 40 years there are all these kind of weird fringe types of lightning like blue jets and red red something all these kind of strange um like cloud-based lightning types, which some jets and, and as in uh, planes would see as our flying past, they'd see strange colored lightning and that sort of thing. And that right. that was um, a physical phenomena that occurred in storm clouds that we didn't really understand or ball lightning and these kind of things. Um, and I always had a fascination from that reading science books as a kid, those kind of strange fringe cases of, of lightning and or physical phenomena. So the third option to my mind is a natural phenomenon that we haven't understood or catalogued 
or like a, an event that's occurred because of some electromagnetic interaction or something that's triggering the radar dishes in a certain way or whatever it might be. Um, so I think there's also a benign explanation, which is interesting in its own right, uh, a natural phenomenon that's caused some interaction we don't get, or literally might be a ball of, of lightning or something, uh, but that is not, you know, Russian spy technology, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think you're, you're totally right. Like it's, it's in most, in most cases, it's going to be, there's going to be a very simple explanation for it. The, the thing is with the last point there that um, in a few of these cases that these guys are reporting, they're like, they're, they're, they're behaving in unnatural ways. These objects are behaving in unnatural ways, um, which I guess, I mean, and we're talking about like in terms of speed accelerating to an extreme speed and then stopping and then kind of moving back. And then in some cases, like imitating the movement of the plane. Um, so I think there's like a, yeah, there's a, there's a long, there's a broad spectrum of, of what these things are, are, are doing. And I do agree mm. that most of them are probably very easily explainable. But so what I want to get into, cause I, I like, I love this thought experiment. And I think this is, since I was such a young kid, this is always, baffled me this stuff uh, and and intrigued me like i have to really check my bias when i am reading about this because f since i was 10 and we'd go to the library and you could i think you get like five books i would you know non-stop fill up my book fill up my bag with you know five eight books on close encounters ufos and stuff and then I would go home and read them and I'd climb up onto my roof and I'd just sit up there for hours. I was like eight or ten. Eight, nine or ten. You were climbing climb on the roof when you were eight? My parents let me do really weird shit. <laughs> and I would climb up there and I would just watch for UFOs in the daytime. <laughs> um, didn't see anything. But I was. I am like really... I so want this to be true. And it's interesting that you said that that's a, the idea that there is... Uh, another civilization try, trying to make contact or probe or you know monitor us is terrifying to you because to me it's just like the most exciting thing in the world oh so, it, it, don't get me wrong it would be exciting i just think that it's also ominous because any interaction with other civilizations on a galactic level is probably not going to go well for the lower technological species why I mean, there, there have been um, thought experiments and explanations in, into all this kind of thing. But the idea being that if anyone has the technology to uh, locate and come visit another planet, they're probably uh, doing it for resources or with hostile intent. The, there's a fantastic trilogy, which I would recommend um, people reading, called uh, The Three-Body Problem uh, uh, I don't know if that's a trilogy's name. It's definitely the name of the first book. Sci-fi book. Um, say what? That's a sci-fi um, novel by a Chinese author called Zhichin Lu. Um, or possibly Lu Zhichin. Now that I think about it, it might be the other way around. Um, but uh, it translated in English, obviously. Um, and a real fascinating sci-fi experience um, through the eyes of a Chinese writer 
who was using it as an analogy in a lot of ways for the um, threat of uh, like the Cold War between two superpowers, the idea of China versus the US or um, threats of that nature where it could be sort of a mutually assured destruction. And one of the core um, concepts of the books as they go along, which expand in scope exponentially, is the idea that in the global, uh, sorry, in the intergalactic world, what you want to be is quiet. Because if you are an advanced civilization, any other advanced civilization is a risk to your prosperity. So the safest and most sensible thing to do is to eradicate them before they become advanced. Because in that way, you're ensuring your own dominance. And so any kind of signal that escapes a planet or that might cause you know, attention to be drawn to your location is one that might put you at risk of, of being taken out. Um, so I really enjoy that um, trilogy and I encourage people who Sounds have a sci-fi great. interest to read it. Um, but yeah, conceptually, I think it, I, that's where my, um, because that's the most recent thing I've read, I suppose it's what's influenced philosophically the way sure. I'm looking at this kind of first contact question. The problem with those things is that, like, I feel like we're always projecting what we have, like, right in front of us. So I don't know what year that book was written, but maybe if it's to do with the Cold War, they're like, oh, this is how, you know, w- the other the other guys would react because that's how the other guys are reacting here on Earth. You know, I think there's, like, I've always put, I've always gravitated to, in terms of sci-fi, more like, it is interesting now that I think about it that, Maybe you have gravitated towards like, I love District 9 and stuff, but maybe that. But I've always gravitated towards like contact and um, arrival. Like those, that type of sci-fi where there's like, just like an initial, like two species of something in the universe trying to figure out what the other thing is. I like like the optimism of that. Yeah. I mean, is it uh, with... With advancement of technology, I mean, I, we don't know, we're speculating, but like part of me thinks that there, what comes with that is like maybe benevolence and maybe like increased curiosity and maybe we get to a place of, you know, nirvana where we realize truly what we are. If we, I mean, this is what part of what blows my mind thinking about this stuff is like if there is another civilization out there, do we go, they're the enemy? Or do we go, I mean, as a, as a human race, do we go, holy shit. We're like, we're in this together almost. Like, you're, you're, you're also here? Holy shit. It's like being on an island. It's like kind of like, I never watched Lost, but like, I imagine there's like one guy out there. I'm not going to talk about Lost. I'll talk about Castaway. In, if in Castaway... Oh, I was so excited. I was ready to talk about all sorry, my lost man. knowledge. I was like, sorry. fuck, finally we're talking about something interesting in this podcast. Fine, we'll make it... I just imagine in Lost, I never saw one episode, but I imagine some guy gets there and he's just like, he's on an island and he doesn't know if anyone else is out there and then there's... And then he realize, he hears a rustle in the bushes and then so he's like, holy shit, there's another person here? And then they're both like... Are you the enemy or are you my friend? But then they become friends. Mm. It sounds more like Last Man on Earth, to be honest. <laughs> right. But yes. Um, 
Oh, so many things here to say. First was, mm. yeah, Three Body Problem is the name of the series, I think, as well, um, by Chichin Liu. Um, the, the quote in the cover is from Barack Obama. Wildly what? imaginative, really interesting. The scope of it was immense. Barack Obama, 44th president of the United States. So you got the Obama endorsement, which is uh, wow. fairly Although, significant. Um, I, in my experience, when people have said... I've, whatever I've done was imaginative. That was kind of a Trojan horse for <laughs> <laughs> this was shit, but uh, we'll try and make it a compliment. Okay. Well, <laughs> that might be again, projecting. Um, the second thought that I had is uh, this one, this concept of benevolence, like in, in this, uh, a, a, you know, theoretical civilization um, is, is lovely, but think about what we have established internally as a human race, our principles of benevolency to other cultures. In the case of things like those tribes in the you know middle of the forest who, uh, you know, pre-industrial, our our yeah. position as as a, a Western or um, you know more advanced society is one of non-interference. Right? We let them live out their lives intact. So if there is a benevolent, you know, holy shit, you guys are alive in the universe as well. Uh, philosophy in this other civilization, then surely one of their um, principles would also be one of non-interference, right? Like if that's the case, why would they, they meddle with us or be visible to us? Um, Oh, there was a second point about benevolency. No, it's gone for me. Um, I agree, I agree, but I, I think I just feel like there's a point where, like, we're still very in a, in the infancy of our of our civilization. I feel like, even though we're kind of absolutely trending up. Oh, that's what it was. And so, cool. You you say oh, sorry. It quick before yeah. you lose um, it. Before you lose it. The um, if they are so advanced that they are now traveling exploring other galaxies that sort of thing then i think and if they know that there is at least us then logically they've probably encountered other civilizations or know more about the galaxy than we do and what might have come before or after right so i think perhaps the specialness of them meeting us is going to be far less than us meeting them the first contact right it'll be an imbalance in terms of of who knows what and the relative specialness of that moment. That's it. And that for all we know, uh, you know, they, they are aware that the universe is actually abundant with life. Yeah. Uh, in which case, um, there it's more like, you know, we don't, we, we don't want to, uh, we don't want to f- communicate with ants. No, you know, we don't want to see an ant, an ant here and think I want to talk like they, they, in which case, like you said, they are coming here probably for hostile reasons. Yeah. To for take resources. our resources and take our planet. Yeah. What did I say? No, the same thing. I'm agreeing with you. Oh, I thought you were pulling me up on my pronunciation. No, yeah. Um so I said so this Ezra Klein article that I sent you a couple of weeks ago, um, he's just got a thing in here that I just wanted to ask you. So I've just changed a few of the words to make it more um <laughs> changed his New York Times article to make it more relevant to us. But it says... <laughs> so you're not imagine... actually quoting him anymore. No, I am. I am. I just changed the, the towns. This is a quote from his, um, his article on this, which I can't remember the title of it. 
Do you remember what it was called? I'm just scrolling up now to open it on my screen. Maybe I should. Okay, it's the it's a New York Times article titled "Even if you think discussing aliens is ridiculous, just hear me out." Ezra Klein is the um. I'll put it in the, the chapter there. title um, if people want. Okay, to. cool. The Vox guy, the guy, the founder of Vox. So in this, he says, "Imagine tomorrow an alien craft crashed down in Christchurch or Melbourne. There are no life forms in it. It's effectively a drone." but it's undeniably extraterrestrial in origin. So we are faced with the knowledge that we're not alone, that we are perhaps being watched, and we have no way to make contact. How does that change human culture and society? How do you think that changes? What, what do you think? How, do, people, do people care? In one, in one scenario, people don't even care. Like, yeah. I mean, they it's, might not even... They'll be like, okay. I mean... In some ways, I genuinely think that it wouldn't make a difference at all because I think we've learned there is far more propensity for distrust of government and media institutions at the moment than I think has ever been. So, so I you think, think people a, wouldn't believe it. I think a sizable proportion of the, of the populace would just be like, nah, nah, that didn't happen because it doesn't accord with my worldview or my religion or whatever. So nah, it, you're the lying media. There would be a government skepticism thing where it's like, oh, they're just saying that as, you know, pretense to launch a war against things or to redirect budget into space or NASA or something like that. So I think that there's probably like 30% that even if you showed them that information would say, no, that didn't happen and refuse to even acknowledge it. Even if there was a thing that, a a physical thing that, you know, the US government has in their possession yeah. and they, so they come out and say, yeah, this is yeah. from another world. Yeah, but are they, what are they going to put it in a museum? No, they'll be studying it, right? Right. So is it going to be visible? Can Joe Blow go up and, you know, have a look at it and be like, <laughs> hey, that's Rogan an alien? And, yeah. yeah. Um, and if if that did land in a paddock in a, an area of the United States jurisdiction, they would confiscate it, right? And they would... If that's a technological advantage, they'd study it and try and learn everything they could about it for personal gain, right? Like for national gain. Yeah. It wouldn't. But it, then, but it would be. It's interesting in that case because it would be a global matter, and the then just the the sheer coincidence that it landed in the U.S. is kind of. It would be completely unfair that yeah. they wouldn't share that with the world. Which yeah, they but, would. They wouldn't. But are you, they wouldn't are you suggesting this is a visible thing where, like, all of the world watch on satellites and things as this thing plummets to the earth, and like no. everyone else knows it's there? I was Im- I was imagining, um, you know, this thing's crashed to the earth. There's like f- f- mobile phone footage of this thing. The sure. government can't deny it, so yeah. they come out with yeah, a statement and they thing. say, yeah. It's a thing, we have it, and then they actually show us a little bit of it, but then they study it, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and then of like the other 70%, I think some people would believe it and and it would be truly transformative and they would be like, holy shit, like how can we now live our lives knowing that there's actually things out <laughs> yeah. there? This changes everything, my values, the things I prioritize, the way I want to spend my time, the places I want to go. Like it would be a complete disruption, and then there would probably be forty percent, which is like, oh shit, that's pretty interesting. 
I wonder what that'll be like. And then continue mm-hmm. to go about their day-to-day lives without really <laughs> thinking about it moment to moment. Yeah. It's, like, it's oh, funny because... Oh, let's like, check in on that in a year. See what's up with the alien spacecraft. <laughs> I think you're right there. Like, I think the the level of ambivalence would be pretty mind-blowing. And it's weird that, like, I... I mean, I basically walk around with the idea that there is alien life out there somewhere. I mean, and where... If there is, by the way, we're aliens yeah. to the aliens. Yeah. Um. But I'm already kind of like... I've already got that in my mind. I'm like basically decided in my head that there's another civilization. Even if they're way too far away for us to ever contact, yeah. there's... I mean, the, the chances of it just yeah. seem... The numbers just seem like there is... So having that confirmed, would that actually really change my life? I mean, I it would basically, I think what it would do for me on a personal level would be basically confirm that life is meaningless in the sense that there's no, there's no greater purpose or thing to it. There's no, there's no, there's no godlike, uh, ideas about what what's going to happen after you die like the afterlife is done after that point if we find out they're an alien there's there's also no afterlife do you think that's true if god created humans can't god create aliens wouldn't it be well, amazing if just... heaven's just like this big intergalactic party like the star wars like cantina scene everyone's just hanging out all these different <laughs> tentacles and things having a beer together being like well shit wasn't life weird <laughs> In some ways, this is weird. I mean, literally, I mean, life is fucking just bizarre. It is bizarre. Like if you if you walk around, if you go to the shops with the idea in your head that we are aliens to aliens, and actively think about that while you're going to buy some peanuts and bread, yeah, it you look at every you start to look at everyone like an alien, yeah, and probably um, act like an alien yourself, yeah. When you're just like, yeah, that's aliens. Just getting some cupcakes. <laughs> I've actually had those. I've actually had this um, conversation with my dad about, uh, you know, he he first he said once to me that my belief that there are aliens or that there's another alien life, which by the way, it's not a belief, it's a guess. Yeah. But he once said to me that that is like that's basically having faith, trying to do that old religious equivalency thing, which mm-hmm. is bullshit. But I asked him then, if we did discover that aliens did exist, there was another civilization out there, would that change your faith? Would that uh, would that affect your belief in God? And he said, no, it wouldn't. So maybe, I mean, I mean, Christians have famously, and all monotheists have famously sidestepped every scientific discovery <laughs> to make their religious belief fit with that. So I feel like that it's not going to be a problem. The Pope's going to come up with a statement. We find we, we make contact with extraterrestrial life. The Pope comes out with a statement saying we're all God's children slash aliens. Yeah. Except you know, gays. He's like, <laughs> except for gays. Yeah. Gay. The aliens still on the outs. The aliens are people. Gays aliens are in. still not people. <laughs> Do fish go to heaven? Is that a real question? It is a real question. It is no. in the Christian religion. Do animals go to heaven? 
I don't think so, which is just the most absurd thing. Because they, th- this is the thing that annoys me about religion. I know we have to wrap up because you have to have some food in your tum-tum. But the thing that annoys me about religion is that they, it's predicated on the idea that humans are above animals when we are the, exactly the same as animals. We are animals. Yeah, just different It's animals. elitist. A religion is elitist to animals. Yeah. Let the frogs in. Let the frogs into heaven, Jesus. Um, anyway. Go to bed, Jesus. Uh, uh, any more? You, oh, there was one thing KC mentioned. Oumuamua. Uh, Do you know this? Oumuamua, oh, yeah. The first yeah. known so, interstellar object detected passing through the solar system. So K- K- this is KC outing himself as a Joe Rogan listener. Yeah. Well, he doesn't need to be outed. He's very prominently said that <laughs> um right so do you give t- talk to me about this this was 2017 so, so this was that long um i think it was i don't know what the difference between a meteorite and a comet is i guess it was a comet because it i think a meteorite is something that crashes into earth this was a long like cylindrical uh sorry not cylindrical i keep saying cylindrical like poo-shaped, that's better, more scientific, <laughs> poo-shaped <laughs> object that uh, passed Earth. It was, it, it that, was a sky turd. <laughs> it was a sky that astro turd um, that some scientists... <laughs> it was a, a ring to it. The 2017 astro turd incident. If you know, you know. If you know, you um, know. That flew past, uh, I don't know how close it got to Earth, but... There was speculation from this one particular scientist that Joe Rogan, in my opinion, gave way too much time, um, that this was a, actually an alien, uh, an object sent from aliens because it was too, like, perfect in, you know, shape. Yeah. It was it was wacky. It was wacky. Sure. You're not, that doesn't do any more for you than the actual um, radar stuff. Don't get me wrong. I mean, this guy was like a... like He was like some... Uh, Harvard scholar or something so his title gave him a lot of weight yeah uh, but I think it was you know it's pretty wild like I don't it's so far away got scans, so to see. They've, yeah they got scans of this thing and yeah. they it's like no it's a rock but sure. it's a cool rock mm. but I, I, I like that he um, did you tell him we were talking about UFOs and he he sent that in correct oh that's nice yeah uh, if you've had a good chat about aliens and want more, then there's plenty of other episodes in this damn feed that you can go back and listen to. There's an archive at deepfort.podbean.com. You can find all of our links and updates at Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, Instagram. There's pics up on, on the, on the feed when interesting things happen. Uh, there's, uh, an email address, deepfort at gmail.com. In, uh, to which you can send questions and comments and feedback uh, and we might even do that in a second and if you are on your podcast app please be sure to give us a good old rating because it'll help as we move up inexorably towards the title of Australia and New Zealand's number one podcast <laughs> um, did you say mailbag in that? yeah I did, did you've... oh cool I haven't actually I... okay cool Nick, um, do you want to do it now? <laughs> yeah. I thought you were about to lead into, let's do a mailbag. I, I thought you were going to toss it up, but then you stopped. 
I was. Um, but then I panicked. I'm not good at being the host. You should definitely be the host of this. I think I've decided. You should be the host of the podcast. Okay, well, I'll, I'll and you should do all the editing, time. and you should do all the editing. Okay, <laughs> we can start that next week. Yeah. All right. Um, play the jingle. Mailbag, mailbag, it's the weekly mailbag. Deep thoughts, mailbag. Oh, been a while since we've been in the mailbag. Mailbag. Okay, Mikey, you have access to the internet. Uh, that's not well. That's always been true. You have access to the mailbag now. So, do you want to do? It's this not one? necessarily been true. Um, <laughs> fair. Um, yeah. So, um, so Nick, I need to preface this a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, we've been okay. So we got we got pretty close to advertising with uh, uh, Manscaped. Remember that. <laughs> I mean, pretty close. It's doing a lot of heavy lifting in that sentence, but yes, we're, we're approached. We got within a bull's, we're approached. We, we're we got within a bull's whisker of yeah. a of a sponsorship deal with Manscaped, as yeah. we all know. Yep. Just missed out by Just a couple of out. thousand listens per episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, was a, it wasn't it was a, actually that it was many. It was five hundred. It was surprisingly attainable, and yeah, we yeah. couldn't even do that. So, yeah. um, one day we'll be massive, Nick. One yeah, day yeah. we'll be massive. Um, We've also had, you know, close encounters with close encounters with Smooth My Balls, which may or may not be a real company. <laughs> we we um, haven't heard any further from Smooth My Balls. So I, you know, and I've been floating with the idea of the Patreon thing. Basically, your boy, your boy's hustling, Nick. Okay, your boy hustles. Yeah. Um. So I mean, those things didn't work out, but one thing I have offered and put out there into the ether into the ether sphere is maybe if you want to um if you want to advertise to you know to, i should start that again i really fucked that up maybe if no i'm doing it again same, just, you repeated it the same, same way. sentence yeah i have put it out to my friends uh-huh. that maybe if you want to advertise you can and you can send us a dollar Per 30 seconds, okay. and we'll read out whatever you want us to read out. Per 30 seconds? It can be seconds. maybe 30 seconds for a dollar. Okay. Cheap. We're, for, we're whores, man. Okay. We're whores. Not that there's anything wrong with a whore. But 30 seconds, a dollar. If you want to email us at deepfort at gmail.com, you can do it. If you want to If you want to say happy birthday to someone, if you want to have a go at us, We'll read out whatever you whatever you say to, you want us to read. We'll read it out. A dollar thirty seconds. You've agreed One to minute. this without consulting me. So I was gonna. It's surprising you. Okay. This is your real birthday <laughs> so, present. Okay. Fair. <laughs> Beyond just the mooning from earlier. Okay. Um, so, so am I compelled to say things too, or have you you've just signed me up for this? You don't have to say anything. Yeah. Basically, they can say who wants. Who they want to read the okay, thing. Okay, so you have enlisted me to, to to dance like a little puppet. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. For a little dollar. monkey boy. For a dollar. For one dollar. And so here's here's what I wanted. Here's, here's my question though. Hey, if you if you want to if you want to if you want to take up you know ten minutes, that's fine. We'll sure we'll do it. But here's I want to know. I, so you know in 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 newsrooms. Um, at the New York Times, there is a strict 
church and state divide between advertising and editorial. Uh, and so we're not quite at the institutional size of something like a New York Times to yeah. employ not someone yet. to sort of take control of the advertising side of it. But I want to know what's our sort of integrity here. Do no integrity. we, if we're, if we're being paid for 30 seconds, we read verbatim the thing given to them. They have 30 seconds of time and then we stop the clock and we never address it again. Is that the idea? It, we do not elaborate. We do not continue talking. We do not riff. We do not joke. You get 30 seconds. Boom, we're done. You're out. Or is the expectation that then we're going to sort of shit talk around this thing as well? Because that seems to me like they should be paying more if we're going to like have a chit chat around it. I think it's the latter because at the end of the day, Nick, this is content. And we're, <laughs> this is an opportunity to interact with our fan. How so, dare you describe us as merely content? It's the worst term ever, isn't it? <laughs> Weird that it's, it's in my job title, which I really yeah. love. Um, okay, so let's give us a demo run. We've got we've got a a, a volunteer. So we have a, we have a, no we have our first customer. Yeah, that's what I mean. We ha- you said volunteer. This is well, my volunteer. Yeah, they're I've paying. already been beamed. I've already been beamed. You've been beamed. Which, which is 50 cents each, by the way. So we've had our first ad request. And by the way, I, I say ad, but it's just basically space. It's basically people using our platform. Okay, to say, we're a billboard. You know, we're a billboard, you know? Okay. So we've had, a, we've had an email and immediately from Casper. Uh-huh. Well, let me, so, hold on. Let me get the timer going. We've got to make sure that we do this by the books. Right, let me let me. I'll read the email and then I'll read because it's in a PDF document. So okay, so there's email copy and that's that's within the zone of mailbag the segment. But then yeah, the moment yeah, we yeah. get to PDF, that's ad space and we start the clock. Is that right? We may have to start getting the lawyers involved, but you've got a okay. law degree, don't you? Yeah. Um. So this one says, "Hello, attached is my ad bought and paid for from Deep Fort PT PTY Ltd." For a dollar and zero cents. This is an invoice I'm reading, apparently. <laughs> Thank you for this opportunity. A platform like yours is one I've aspired to be catapulted from for a very long time. Wow. wow. Um, that's... I did not manage those expectations. Clearly. Sure. All right. So, here's the ad. Nick, start the clock. Okay. Three, two, one. Ad times. Deep thought got you thinking? Me neither. Are you tired of feeling like the only one listening? (laughs) Tired of jingles without resolution? Of segments without segues? You are not alone. Listen to Deep Thunkers every other Sunday on ABC. They fought. We conquered. This is a paid advertisement by the from the friends of Casper Moxon. We accept no responsibility for needing unfilled or faith misplaced. No money back. No money at all. That was exactly thirty seconds. Well, yeah. I think I butched that last disclaimer, but um, did we? I don't really did, know what that was? Did we just run an ad that insulted our own podcast? I think we might have accidentally done that for yeah. one dollar. For a dollar. <laughs> You've really quite demeaned us, Michael. Yeah, dude. Sorry. So you hadn't, pre- <laughs> um, you hadn't pre-read. Pre- we, we don't have ad standards. No. no so is this segment that. just going to be our friends paying us a dollar 
to send insults to us for us to read. Is that what? Hey, if it makes us money, dude. <laughs> if it makes us money, we're gonna monetize this shit. It's been seven fucking years. Yeah, we'll start clawing back into the black I don't see one dollar you... and ten insults at a time. Well, I don't see you coming up with any bright ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I've written this off as a tax deductible for the past five years. Uh, well, thank you, Casper, for your um, sponsorship of the show. Congratulations on being the first ever official sponsor. And um, I suppose the advertising slot is open. Yes, Michael, is. how do you feel about uh, booting up the old wreck engine? It's been a while. Oh, my God. I would fucking die for that. Grab the keys. Welcome to Deep Thoughts Recommendation Engine. By the way, just before Wreck Engine, uh, got some very good feedback from um, a, one Mr. Pekevsky on Bitly Ball. Oh. He said it was one of the greatest, greatest games he's ever heard of, and he wants oh. to get involved. He wants to play it. He wants to play? You know, he wants to play with his friends. Too bad he doesn't have any friends. But well, he'll have to license he- it. 30 cents. <laughs> given, the, given how low we've, we've set our value. It all adds up. It all adds up. Uh, Wreck Engine. It's been a while. Just uh, to check in on the media and culture and things that we've been enjoying. Uh, Mm. Have you got anything you want to throw in the mix? Yeah, I got one. Um, It's the Absolutely Mental podcast with... It's a new podcast with Ricky Gervais and Sam Harris. Um, I know you've probably got mixed feelings about both of those guys, Nick, but uh, it's a it's a thirty. Sorry, you go on. Oh, I was going to say, I'm, it's, I'm curious. It's a uh, it's basically what you think it would be. It's a thirty minute episodes. It's kind of costly. It's like fifteen pounds. Wait, fifteen pounds? It was either fifteen pounds or fifteen US. It worked out to be twenty bucks. Um, for all, eleven episodes at half an hour a piece. But it's just like Ricky Gervais. He's a he's a philosophical guy. He's just like asking the big questions. What's the point of life? Blah blah blah. And they have this conversation, and it's just it's just fucking awesome. Um, and I just lo- I love Sam Harris so much, and I love I love Gervais in that setting when he's not trying to like you know be afterlife. Or, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I love it when he's just asking com- com- like questions and and being silly. Um, and it's just a, it's just a beautiful, it's just a beautiful podcast and it's fun and it's silly and it's, uh, it's, um, it's really, it's just interesting. I love hearing those guys talk. So absolutely mental. It's like 15, I think it's 15 US dollars, but uh, as 11 in, is, episodes. Is it a private RSS feed or are you buying it through Apple podcasts or, or what's, what, how, how a, are they charging for it? It's just through their website. So you're buying a private RSS feed. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, kind of, kind of spenny, but uh, I I bought it for myself for my birthday, and yeah. uh, I mean, I mean, you're getting like five hours of content. Yeah, that's for, not too bad. It's really not. If you break it down, like you get used ticket. to like not paying. Exactly, you get used to like not paying for that shit. Yeah, which is kind of weird. Like if you actually put a monetary value on it, it's like oh, this is very good value. Yeah. Um, but yeah, highly recommend. I, that. I spend fifty bucks a year on a tech podcast, and I get two fifteen-minute episodes a week. You know, like. I'll pay for those kind of things if they're like mm. good people that are reliably interesting all the way through. Yeah, totally. Yeah, um, that's my rec. 
I'll throw one in, which I think you are also a big fan of, which is the HBO Max series, Hacks. Hacks. Oh, yeah. A, uh, a half-hour comedy series from some of the creators of Good Place and... Sorry. Oh, and, really? Uh, Jen Statsky is a, is a big Mike Shaw writer, and he's one of the oh. um, producers on it. And then the other two, I think, are more from the broad city side of things but uh, together oh, but shit i can kind of see all the i didn't know any of that yeah i can kind of see it they've come together to make a series starring gene smart as this you know 60 something um legend of a, a stand-up comic who's a been joan doing rivers a, a joan rivers yeah. type who's been doing sets at um vegas uh, for a decade or something can sort of stagnating and uh, a young upstart writer who's down on her luck sort of being cancelled after a bad tweet and ends up taking this reluctant role to go and write jokes for this old legend who doesn't want her around either and it's uh it's just a really charming kind of show it's actually not as funny moment to moment as i think you might think it is there's some there's some big laughs though there are some big laughs but it's not it's it does it's not like a like there are some scenes which are actually I like, don't have many jokes in them, and then there are others no. which are funny. You know, like it it does straddle that line of drama a little bit as well. Is I sure. guess what I'm trying to say. Um, mm. But um, I I find it quite charming. I think Gene Smart, as everyone knows, is a genius. Um, yeah. And I'm I've loved for a couple of years now Meg Stalter, who plays the receptionist, who is yeah, just so the who, best fucking character. Who is that? She's so funny. She's a, she was like a Twitter comedian who just exploded oh, a couple of years ago who does these weird videos. videos of hers. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She does like weird characters and, and I think she's come up in the improv scene. Um, she has a podcast called Confronting Demons with Meg's daughter where she invites guests on and then just launches right. into them with all of the terrible things that they've supposedly done to her in the past and just <laughs> like all these, great. all these like made up silly um, gripe, um, gripes that the she has with all these that, the wait, guests. they're actually made up. Yeah, or she's like, it's okay. just like a big improv riff session. Um, okay, yeah, okay. It's it's oh well that it's very funny, and she's the show. The show is yeah, hacks is the the greatest. Yeah, it is. It is like bread and it is like exactly right down the middle of what I like and what gets me off. Like it's like. Comedy is like a dramedy thing with like, with the focus is on on the dialogue. I feel like and the and the characters, uh, but it's also like comedy, like the world of comedy that I like am fascinated by. And it's just like it hits when you you sent me the um you sent me this a couple of weeks ago, I think, um, and I thought I was getting into like a Dolly Parton kind of thing. That's what I, I watched like half of the trailer and thought it's a Dolly Parton thing. But then Emma and I watched the first, you know, episode and then we just watched the next two and it was just, it's just so, so good. So thanks for the wreck. No, I'm glad you're liking. I'm, I think a little cooler on it than you are. I still like it, but I don't think it's like really hit me like a hundred percent, but I, I, I'm just hanging out for like every scene in the agent's office more than I am like watching right. the girl troll through archives. Like I don't really connect with the writer character too much yet, but you know, it's early days. I, I think we watch things in ver- in different ways. I think sure, you know, 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, but who is the who is the writer girl? Like she's Hannah Einbender. I've never heard of her before, but she's she's a good actor. I just I, the character I haven't quite clocked onto yet. It's it's a it's a funny thing. I wonder if it's like a a straight man thing or a cis. I still don't know what cis is. Cis. cis is just the gender that you were assigned at birth. Like if you're if you're biologically male and you are gender identified as male, then you're just a cis person. Oh, okay, cool. It's like the uh, it's the straight version of trans, if that makes sense. Like the the, the if if straight right. straight is to gay, what cis is to trans, right? Sure. Um, it sounds like you didn't understand. Do you understand? No, I didn't. No, no. So trans people are a different internal gender to the biological presentation. And cis yeah. people, that's in alignment. So if you are biologically male and you uh, identify as a male, then you're cis. Yeah, okay. Um, I wonder if it's a cis male thing, but I find, or if it's just a me thing. But I find that like every kind of like, I just fall in love with those characters. Like if it's like a female character in that kind of setting, I'll just like instantly fall in love with them. Right. Do you ever get that? In what do you, what do you mean by fall really in love? Do you mean like literally like-, like there's a sort of romantic interest in them, or is it like a protectiveness kind of like I'm rooting for them sort of? vibe no it's like a ma- it's like massively projecting and massively just like imagining being with them and imagining that they're my girlfriend okay yeah stuff. like actually falling in love with them yeah it's like what's this so you know the term manic pixie dream girl yeah right so that's a new term that i have learned and everyone knows about this i'm the last one to know about this but like i is that these girls are like or the, the writing of these girls, they're geared to, like, make men like me fall in love with them? Or uh, am I just, like... Yeah, yeah, no. Am I crazy? Totally. Yeah, no, that's... that's It is a... It is, like, a male writer <laughs> archetype. Like, it, it mm. it's 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 not a human that really exists <laughs> in that way because right. it's, it's shallow and it's still directed towards the male gaze. What's shallow about it? It's, like, it's... They're usually, like, quirky kind of girls and they're like you know interested in radiohead but they'll you know tell you you're a dickhead and it's like that's everything i want in a woman <laughs> yeah. is to love radiohead as much as me and to tell and to me that me. i'm also i'm a piece of shit which i share that interest yeah. with them as well yeah. this is about sharing interest. it's about sharing you know? interests <laughs> uh check out hacks it's pretty good um, it's fucking good. Do you have another one? I have one more. Um, no, my other one was gonna be um, was gonna be it was gonna be Master of None, the third okay. season. Yeah, um, which I really enjoyed. But then I watched the, another episode and I was like, uh, so I withdraw my wreck. Okay, I, I yeah, I never really got into it from the start. I gave it a try, but it didn't do it for me. Um, but mm-hmm. the show that has been giving me big guttural laughs is Girls 5 Ever. Have you heard of Girls 5 Ever? Uh, weirdly today. Yeah. Girls 5 Ever is the latest Tina Fey and Robert Carlock show. 
um, who created 30 Rock, who created Kimmy Schmidt and the very underrated Great News, which is on Netflix and is also excellent. Go and watch Great News. You can watch oh, all yeah. two seasons. With Rachel McAdams? No, but she sort of looks like that. Um but Girls Five Ever is about a girls group that was formed in the 90s, uh, reconvening 20 years later because their lives are all shit and they're trying to do a reunion tour. And so it's Busy got this... Busy Phillips. Busy Phillips. It's got Paula Pell, who's always awesome. Um, uh, Sarah Barais, Barellis, Barrel, who's an actual singer um, and the lead of the show, but is surprisingly hilarious. Um, and it's basically a bit of a skewering of the pop scene of the nineties and how they would like manufacture these groups together and all the different personalities and the way they'd be taken advantage of by their agents and the kind of real sexist (laughs) misogynistic songs they'd have to sing. And it is just an absolute like a joke factory. There will be, you know, 10 jokes a minute. And it is that style of rapid pace, like line after line after line after line which is a little bit uh rare these days with with so many comedies meandering into that sort of dramedy space but it is there's something refreshing about going back to just these true masters of this style and letting them just throw jokes at you just endlessly every line just joke 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 that's real good it's on it's on stan uh this like this does not like what is the marketing team doing yeah like, i mean it's 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 a difficult one to communicate i suppose because the thing they're satirizing is what it just looks like on the box right <laughs> um mm. but it's got a very catchy theme song stephen colbert is in an episode playing a, really? s- a swedish music producer it's very weird um yeah it like just very very enjoyable. I, I I would recommend it. If you like those shows, 30 Rock, if you like Great News, if you like Kimmy Schmidt, it's not quite as weird as Kimmy Schmidt. It's a little bit more grounded. Um, give it a look. I, I really... It makes me laugh more than most things at the moment. Well, that's a that's a big wreck. And, uh, yeah, I'll take it as a sign from, from Allah that uh, I should watch this because uh, earlier today a, a colleague said, has anyone seen this show Girls 5 Ever? Yeah, um, and I thought from the title it sounded terrible, but then now I've heard this and I'm, I'm in. <laughs> it's it's the lyrics are, I mean the whole point of the thing girls five ever is that it's dumb right, and it was a team of five girls, but now one of them's died, so there's only four of them. It's in girls five ever, but the lyrics are, uh, we're gonna be famous five ever because that's one more than four. We're gonna be <laughs> <laughs> friends. Three together because that's one more than together. <laughs> it's like, and it's and it's just stuck in my head at all times. It's 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 genuinely catchy. Oh, I love it. Yeah, well, I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. <laughs>